0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit wholefoodsmarket.com.
0: I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, March 9th. It's a glorious day in New York City. And this is the 99th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an award-winning TV producer. Super excited to have her here, and I will introduce her in a moment. First, as we do in every show, I'll start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and then the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to pitch by trends. If you think your client is doing something new and noteworthy, try to find more examples of it and then pitch it as a trend piece. Oftentimes, it's easier to get press coverage this way. They say three of something makes a trend. So think in threes and pitch away. That's my tip today. Now, I'm happy to have my guest here turning the mic on someone who's usually behind the mic and camera. Indeed. It is Catherine Sheldon. She is an Emmy award-winning producer for WNBC's New York Live, which airs weekdays on Channel 4. Catherine produces, shoots, and edits local... Food and restaurant programming, most of the time with host Lauren Scala, who you've probably seen in the back of your taxi cab eating something on the TV. Catherine is an alumni of Hofstra University and she started working at MTVU, MTV's college channel covering bands and music programming before moving to NBC. Welcome, Catherine.
3: Thank you. I'm in good company, both in the studio and on your show. So it's an honor. Thanks. Oh well, thank you. I think this is this
2: is fun because, yeah, knowing you, you are the one behind the camera, uh, shooting Lauren. Typically, eating mm-hmm. something delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm usually eating her leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so this is cool. So let's let's start out with your background. So how did you? We said you got we were at MTV after college, but when you were in college, did you know you wanted to get into broadcasting and not as a at producer? all okay.
3: I started out with a still background. I was always into still photography. that was what I did in high school. that was sort of my passion, and going into college, I didn't really know what my major was going to be. I was liberal arts, um, undeclared maybe photography, but not really sure if I wanted to take my passion and make it a career. And I was doing a work study job at the rec center at the gym and kind of debating my freshman year what my major uh, should be and the girl that was sitting next to me was a TV major and she was like, well, you know, why don't you try my major? I do TV and I kind of grew up without cable you know, didn't really have a lot of TV so I, was, I had never really considered that as a career um, and so I was like, okay, I'll take one class we'll see how it goes and the first class was all about light and aperture and the lens and I was totally hooked so I was like, okay, this is right up my alley. Um, I thought maybe I could you know do something that I knew I was really good at but that I might be able to make a little bit more of a lucrative career out of so I did that and the degree Hofstra actually turned out to be a school that's one of the best in the country for TV Um, and I didn't go there intentionally for that so it worked out kind of serendipitously Um, and my education there was very technical and um, focused really on being in the studio and shooting and editing and everything like that. So by the time senior year came, I was ready to go, ready to get into the field. And I got an internship through my TA, who was working at MTVU. And I worked um, at MTVU, I think the spring of my senior year, I was an intern. And then I got really lucky, graduated in 2006. So it was when the economy was still pretty good. I got a job about 12 days after I graduated. <laughs> and moved to the city full-time and started working as a PA. And then I was a PA um, and then an AP and then a producer and got to direct some stuff too. And it was all music, band interviews, and then a lot of college student-related programming. So we would travel around the country and um, see what college students were up to, what they were listening to, and what was going on on campuses. So it had nothing to do with food at all. But it was it was really cool. I was into music. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to direct music videos.
2: Well, back then, I don't know the exact year, but back then, MTV was playing music and videos.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think at that time, MTV proper, Big MTV, or the Mothership, Mm -hmm. as they call it, had kind of gotten away from playing music, like Teen Mom was on and all that sort of stuff, which was cool, Um, but MTVU, because they were airing on college campuses, could play mostly music, so there were a lot of um, bands that we got to shoot with before people heard of, like Glicky Lee and... um, Fallout Boy, I know. Insert eye roll, but they were. <laughs> it was cool to, to get to shoot with all of them when they were up and coming. Yeah, must have been. So,
2: what led you to NBC? And did you want to get out of covering music, or just you didn't? I mean, did you have a preference with what industry then you were going to start working in?
3: I wasn't done with music, but it was my first job out of college, and I was there for about three and a half, almost four years, including my internship. So I knew I loved it there, but I was ready for the next project. And um, I had some friends that were working at NBC um, at what is LX TV, the lifestyle division, and they were starting a live show and I, they needed some help. So I was like, okay, you know, it sounds awesome. I did a lot of live stuff in college, but I hadn't done it in a few years. So, um, I was happy to come on board and I did a lot of stuff in the beginning from fashion, a lot of nightlife, um, red carpets and celebrity driven stuff. Um, but during the day, Um, almost immediately I started getting sent around the tri-state area to cover restaurants. So it wasn't necessarily how we do roundups now, which we can talk about more, but um, I would get sent to Montclair, New Jersey, and try and find three restaurants and interview the chef and get some footage of the restaurant and bring it back and do a little what we called first look on our show. I remember first look and, well... Yeah, that, that setup. And, and yeah, yeah, first look still airs on Saturdays. Um you can catch it every week. Um but we're our own separate entity. Right. So when did you team up with Lauren? So Lauren um Lauren Scala, who, if you don't know, she does the traffic every morning. Um, She gets up at 2.30. She's on the air at 4.30. And then I shoot with her a few days a week for New York Live. So It's incredible. (laughs) I have been on the show about six and a half years. Lauren and I were talking about it today. I think we've been working together about five, five and a half. Um, And she came on as a host to the show not long after she started doing traffic. And um, we were doing a lot of roundups in the city and we just have such a high volume to cover that she just kind of seamlessly sort of came on as one of the hosts for our show and our first shoot I think was about I don't know if it was about shaved ice particularly or just frozen dessert but we shot at um, imperial woodpecker snowballs down in the west village when she was there when Nisa was there I met Nisa I know
2: she's from New Orleans did she I think she moved back Or, I don't know, I met her more recently um, and learned all about the the New Orleans-style snow snow cone. So, yeah, that's awesome.
3: If she moved back, that would be awesome. Nisa, send us an email, because we love you. (laughs) Yeah, no, she was really cool. And so that was your first one with her. That was our first shoot together, yeah. Um, And I just, I don't know... you know, what the specific catalyst was. We kind of, because we're a daily show, you just kind of hit the ground running. Um, We got along really well. Um, Lauren fit into our show really well. And we just, because we kept getting assignments together over the years, we developed such a good rapport um, that, we've become each other's kind of partners in crime. And Lauren actually has a background of working at Time Out. That's how she got into TV. Um, so she has such a strong knowledge of um, stuff around the city and of resources and of chefs and what's going on. So it was a really good marriage of my production and technology skills and Lauren's knowledge of what's going on and who chefs are and things like that. And so it just was kind of like a, you know... Magic, yeah. magic happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know she couldn't
2: make it today, but I'm always, I'm so impressed that she I was saying before the show. She she seems to have the energy of, of a chef. Like she just keeps going, and with doing the traffic in the middle of the night, basically. Oh my god, it's
3: incredible. <laughs> she does. She always jokes that like a lot of um, friends that she has that might be chefs are always texting her at two o'clock in the morning. That are like good night, and she's like good morning because that's when she's right. getting up. Um, right. But I will say I do shoot with a couple other hosts on our show, um, like Joel Gargiulo, who's awesome, um, and Sarah Gore, who's one of the anchors of our show. Actually, used to be a line cook for Jean George, so there are you know it's I'm probably ninety percent of the time with Lauren, but also with our other hosts. Yes,
2: I remember meeting Sarah. I don't remember exact. Uh, it was years ago, but she she's it's cool that she has the background too in the food world. So I'm wondering. It seems well having that I do restaurant PR and it just seems there's been more coverage of food and restaurants over the years because it's become so hot. So I, I, is that something that, that happened in your, well, while working as a producer that all of a sudden you were getting all these more assignments and there was just more to cover.
3: I think that we're a local New York city show. Um, So we cover a variety of, Broadway, fashion, um, trends, and food. And I think whether or not food is really popular or trendy, it will always fit in of a culture of a local city. So it fits well within our show regardless. But I, since I have been covering it, everything has just completely expanded and it's been really cool to see i think we're really lucky to be working in an industry at a time when this is something that people are interested in people always want to talk about whether they work in the industry or not um so i think i have seen it grow a lot yeah absolutely so how do you decide what to cover it is a. It's a lot of work. We we take it seriously. Um, it's definitely a collaboration between Lauren and I and our other hosts. If they have something that they're looking out for, we try and do a lot of research on our own. Um, whether we're looking through um, food spotting or menu pages or. Um, Yelp sometimes. Um, we look on social media. We ask other people what they're um, trying out, where they're going. And um, we talk to publicists like yourself, because very often you guys know of stuff's opening or what's on menus that our viewers don't necessarily have access to. So that's a really good resource for us to understand um, Yes, nice to happening. hear. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. We really do. And it's, um, I don't think... Uh, Everyone is necessarily on the side of that, but I think it's great and, you know, it's been really important to us over the years because at the end of the day, you know, our, our viewers from Long Island and our viewers from New Jersey aren't really going to know everything that's opening and everything that's on a menu. And as much research as we do, um, you can only have a handle on so much in a city like New York. So if people um, are aware of stuff and can give us a heads up, it's always helpful and will make us better at our job.
2: Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think as a publicist, we try to be helpful. That's at least that's where I'm coming from. And then in turn, you're being helpful back to me or to our client. But it definitely it has to make sense. And I do I do know my tip with trends like that is something I see you guys cover sometimes being like you find more than one place doing something and then it can turn into a segment versus somebody just doing something on their
3: own um 100 and I was gonna say I love your tip because um I don't know if that was specifically because I was coming on today (laughs) I You
2: know, I do tips every week and I I think about what makes sense with my guest. And that's, yes, I was thinking of you when I came up with it.
3: We got a format, you know, probably at least over the last few years that has worked really well within our show where we do roundups of um, two, three places. Um, It's enough time to give a little highlight, to give enough information. It's not enough time to delve like super um, in depth into something, but sometimes that's okay. We can say, Here's where the restaurant is. Here's what you need to know. This is the dish we're highlighting. Um, Here's the information. Check it out, and then you know we can show um, a high volume of places in a short amount of time, and it just it's it's a good balance.
2: Yeah, no, you do amazing segments. I'm I'm very impressed with. The shooting, the the B roll, the whole, the way you edit it, and Thank it you. comes out, and and Lauren on camera, like you do an incredible job. Like, you're good at your job.
3: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice to hear. You.
2: You're welcome. I want to hear more about what a day in the life is in the whole process, but that's a, on this note, we'll take a little break. Okay. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
1: Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you.
2: Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Catherine Sheldon. She's a producer at WNBC's New York Live. So what's a day in the life, or how, with doing shoots, or how often are you on shoots, how often are you editing,
3: like what's, what's. What's it like to be you? It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every day for me, which is not the case for everyone on my show, but every day is a little bit different. Um, For the most part, every single morning we have pitch meetings where we talk about what's happening around New York and in the entertainment um, world. And we kind of figure out uh, what the best things are for our host to talk about on the show, what we want to make sure we cover. um, And then we check out our schedule for the rest of the week and look at what needs to be edited and when the shoots are and um you know go through assignments and make sure that the puzzle is going to be finished properly um there are seven of us behind the scenes that put on an entire half an hour live show every day so each person really pulls a lot of weight um so my day generally after we have our meeting in the morning um, and i go through my schedule um if i'm out shooting i'll pack up my kit and head out um For example, today, um, Lauren is... anchoring the St. Patrick's Day parade next week. So we did a shoot today, which was um, a roundup with an Irish pub historian and whiskey expert on a few places to get a taste of the Emerald Isle in New York City. So we went to three different places, which is pretty typical of our shoots. Um, So we'll come in and we'll shoot at one place. We'll get some B-roll. We'll do a little bit of interview or sound bites with Lauren. Um, You know, it takes about 45 minutes and then we'll hop in a cab and go to the next place and so on. So shoots generally take about four to five hours for a um, three-minute, two to three-minute segment. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it seems like a lot. When we're actually shooting, the actual roll time is really quick, as you've seen. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not that long. It's just the transportation, getting around New York City and getting in between places, um, ends up adding a lot of time. Um, I shoot on average. Um, three to four days a week I think my record though is seven shoots in one day it wow. hasn't happened in a while a lot. <laughs> but it's you know it's um, it's pretty cool I get to see a lot of different places which is a lot and
2: a lot of the best places and what's happening and yeah you I think I think that you have an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is a lot of work, though. It's not oh. all.
3: It's not all glamour.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I I certainly think it's a lot of work too. Cause then, so then, what's the process like after you've you've done the filming? How long does it take you to create a segment, and what's your typical turnaround time?
3: So. Um our typical turnaround time is what we call like a one-day edit, and that's whether or not it's airing that day, we get one day for an edit, and that sort of equates to, um, in my case, about three hours and fifteen minutes, give or take. Um, so, because we're in in the morning and our show's live at twelve thirty, so you know we don't have that long to put a piece together. Um, but I, even if we're not in a rush, we've kind of gotten into that rhythm. We, we're a well-oiled machine, so um, I know exactly how long it takes me to do things. And because I edit a lot of my own pieces, I'm what they call shooting to edit. So when we're out in the field, we don't really shoot much more than what we need. So I know that I'm not coming back with a ton of extra footage that's going to take me hours to weed through. We kind of do one take sometimes if that's all we need where um, we'll do a couple sound bites and then we move on to the next thing. And that makes it really easy to edit on the back end because I know exactly what I'm coming in with. Um, and especially if I'm editing what I shot, sometimes I can just fast forward right until when the good take is. And that saves me a lot of time. No, that makes sense. And having been on some shoots with
2: you and seeing you work, I know that that is like, you know, when you got it Mm -hmm. and if it's one take, it's one take. If it's, you need to do it again, you do it again.
3: Yeah. Well, we also, the speed comes from a lot of practice because we used to go out in the morning, we would get on the phone, call restaurants, we would go out and shoot our three places, our roundup, um, and then I would come back, and then I would edit it, and then it would air a couple hours later. So we got really good at being really fast really quickly, which is much more typical of the news format and the news style. Like, they're going out, you know, they're turning pieces every day for the news that night. Um, But then we're also adding music and B-roll and flashy stuff to make it a lot of fun. Right. And then, what's the... the etiquette or
2: how you work with the live casting team like Sarah being... Because you you sometimes will bring in product from the shoot you were on and they do the intro. I mean, is that just a dialogue you have with them to to prep them for
3: the segments? Um, Well, we have... um scripts that are written for the anchors every day and they collaborate on them. Um, But if we have, like, for example, uh, today is National Meatball Day. We love our food holidays. So yesterday (laughs) we ran our segment about some meatball specials that you could catch around town. So um, our line producer, Andrew Rosenthal, will write a lot of the intros for our hosts um, because I'm typically out in the field. So I can edit it um, the day before or edit that day, but then he's handling the scripts and the stuff that's happening with that day. Um so he'll write the intro and then we'll air the package and then on the back end we always like to have food on the set because it's an extra element. Um and Sarah and Jackie who are our anchors can say, Oh Lauren sent some back for us to try too. That's really cool, you know, thank you and um so that's how that works. Does that answer? It does. It does
2: answer. Well it's a collaboration as you said, and you're all in a team and you work well together, obviously. You've been doing this a long time. Like, you have it down. Yes. And everyone has their role, and I think you figure out, you know, who who does what, and it, it works. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what's what been, like, a really memorable shoot or something, like, one of your favorites?
3: Um one of my favorites was years ago. Um, it was the. It was when Pat LaFrieda had his show Meat Men uh-huh. coming out. Um, and he took our host, Siafa Lewis, who is now out in Chicago, but um, at the time was with us. He took Siafa around to three places in our typical fashion um, that carried his product and his meat or burger. So we went to... Um, uh, Michael Lamonico's Porterhouse and Shake Shack and Manetta Tavern and <laughs> a delicious outing. It, it was, and I don't always get to taste. I try to, but my role first and foremost is to shoot and to make sure that we're on schedule. So if we're in a hurry, I'm not going to be like, "Hold on, everybody! I need to sit down and like have a bite." You know, I'm going to pack up and we'll get out. Um, so we're at Manetta Tavern. And it was when Riyad Nasser was still there, and. Um, Siafa sat down with Pat, and they had the Black Label burger, and they talked about the burger. And I just remember sitting there, rolling, and thinking about how special this burger was. It was the only place in the entire world that you could get it. And the man who had figured out the blend for this burger, that was the the only one in the entire world, was sitting right there in the restaurant where you can get it, talking about it. And I was just so awestruck and it just I was just so appreciative of being there and being able to hear him talk about it you know how many people eat that burger or eat you know Shake Shack's burger and never know the person that's behind it and all of the thought that goes into creating it Um, so that was awesome and then we finished the shoot and the chef was still there and he was like, you know, have you ever had it? And I said, No. And he said, Well let me make you one and I said, No, that's not necessary. Um, Siafa ate all of his, so there weren't any leftovers. Which is <laughs> go good go sign. for her. Yeah. I mean, she yeah. should
2: share, but <laughs> Yeah. Um,
3: so uh, you know, I was like, You don't have to make one that's it's not necessary, we gotta go. And he's like, No, no, it's okay, I'll do it. So he made a burger. And he brought it out, and I sat down, and I was like sitting there with Pat LaFrieda next to me, and the chef, you know, on my other side. And I took a bite, and I, you know, I think our intern took a picture of me having a bite. I probably Instagrammed it, and it was so good. And it it was the most, it was a memorable shoot. It was one of the most memorable bites I've ever had not just because it was mm-hmm. one of the best burgers I've ever had but because to be there and to be there with the people that had such a hand in creating it I, I just felt so special and so awesome so that was cool I
2: I, I, I feel your your love because <laughs> well Pat Lafrida came on my show he was one of my first guests and I I just it, it make it just it was It reminds me why I like doing this show so much Mm -hmm. because I just feel honored that I I know talented people who are doing incredible things in the hospitality industry and the fact that they're coming on my show and sharing their story and talking to me and it just makes me grateful. and So listening to your experience, I was like, yeah, it encompasses a lot of how I feel about knowing these people as well and Mm -hmm. being a part of the industry.
3: Mm -hmm. I wish that everyone could get the chance to meet people behind, mm-hmm. you know, all of this amazing stuff and amazing food, you know, even though we don't get to spend a lot of time with people, right. I still remember everyone. Even if I don't remember, you know, exact names, I remember phases and I remember the place and, um, it always leaves an impression on me and I'm grateful for that. Yeah.
2: And, and you're leaving an impression on them too, cause you're coming in and you're, you're, you're covering whatever they're, they're doing and you're sharing it with the world. And, I'm sure they're just as appreciative to be meeting you. <laughs> Thanks.
3: Either that, or they're, they're they're like, "Who's that tornado that just like came in and out?" <laughs> like, either one, it could go either way. No. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: um, I mean, what, what's what's something about your job that you don't enjoy? I, is there
3: anything? The only thing I will say is that we have to get up early and everyone on my show will probably hear this and laugh because I'm late um, in the morning. <laughs> it's it's really hard for me to get up early. Um, and it's, um, it's, not a struggle, but sometimes it's hard to balance the schedule of shooting in restaurants and understanding what's happening in a world that functions primarily at night mm-hmm. um, and still trying to figure that out with our schedule with an earlier show and coming in early. But it's that's really yeah. not that bad. No, it's, that's I'm, not. I'm very fortunate to work with super talented people. I have an awesome boss and a great show. and. It's all good.
2: (laughs) What what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into TV production and in the
3: food world? I would say into TV production specifically, the more you can do yourself, the more marketable you will be. So if you come in and you say, I want to be on camera, you should know how to edit your own stuff like our host Ben Aaron does. Um, You know, if you say, I want to be a producer then you need to know how to edit and shoot There's not, there are a lot of people that do one thing or the other but it's rare um, and these days if you want to do one thing you better know how to do everything else too because you'll be expected to know how and it makes you better at your job too um, I feel like if I am good at my job it's because I shoot and I know how to edit really well and I'm a good editor because I know how to shoot really well and I know how to produce things and so on
2: no, that's great advice. Really great advice. What about getting into the food world? Is there is there an angle
3: for that? That one's tricky because yeah. I kind of came into it by accident. Um, it depends. Like if you're interested in working in food TV specifically, I would say the same sort of thing. Just like learn as much as you can about the whole process and be open minded. Um, I would also say don't be afraid to volunteer and do things for free. If you, you know, have a camera, you want to borrow a camera, and, um, you know, you live in a neighborhood, just walk around to restaurants and say, like, hey, you know, can I, like, volunteer and help out and shoot some pictures? Or, you know, do you need anyone to shoot video of you making this egg burger this weekend? (laughs) You know, and and just volunteer. And I think the more that people see you as a resource and see if that's something you're really passionate about, eventually um, you know, paid work will come to you for it.
2: Well said. Good advice. Thank you. So we'll take another break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. Cool. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
1: And this little break song is called Let's Not by Shadowbox. We'll be right back.
2: This is all in the industry on heritage radio network i'm sherry bayer my guest is katherine sheldon it is time for my speed game what this is is i name a couple of things either or questions and you just pick your preference you're ready
3: cool i'm ready
2: all right here we go eat in or eat out eat out wine beer cocktail or mocktail whiskey i guess cocktail Woo, whiskey <laughs> First on that, I think. <laughs> I love it. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte.
3: Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Because I like to share and eat a lot of everything. Yeah, good reason. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Um, I'm excited about everything that's happening with all-inclusive, and I think a lot of people stand to benefit from it. But... Digression. I was a waitress at um, Uno's Pizzeria, which is now where the Smith is on Third um, and Eleventh Street. Okay. Um, and being a waitress and getting tips there on Friday and Saturday nights is what allowed me to do my first internships in the city because they weren't paid at the time. So, you know, Flipping. not to go in the middle, but <laughs> yeah, no,
2: that another good reasoning and having background in waiting tables. I get it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that that answer. I think I think more people are still going with the tipping, but I don't know. Like about episode 50, it started it started to switch a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we'll see we'll see how that changes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, couple more. Okay, communal table or chef's counter? Communal. Shooting or editing? Shooting. <laughs> you like all light up. You lit up. You like shooting. <laughs> MTV or VH1? MTV. All right. (laughs) Got my MTV. Yeah. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. (laughs) Awesome. That's the game. Cool. Time for industry news. So we are talking about this article on Eater titled... Rainbow bagels and crazy milkshakes. What happens when a dish goes viral? This was by Andrea Marks. So, in this specific article, they're talking about the bagel store in Williamsburg, which is has been making these rainbow bagels for over 20 years. But there was a video on Business Insider that sent went viral, and now they 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 had to shut down for a couple of days because the line and the demand for the bagels was. Was Out of this world So um, that's one of these examples Of people going crazy for, for food And the other one was Black Tap Craft Burgers and, and Beer Which started making these Elaborate milkshakes with candy And apparently there's a four hour wait For these uh,
3: What you think? <laughs> so um, Both Me personally and as a show We like to cover What everyone's talking about it's our job and for our viewers that aren't in the city and in the city that can't get there, we like to show them what everyone's talking about. I also think um, a lot of the dishes and buzzworthy foods that are being created are super visual and they're so cool to look at that it makes for really successful um You know, social media uh, buzz and things like that. Not to say that there um, aren't a lot of people in New York City and chefs doing really creative and visual things that aren't being seen on Instagram, because there are. Um, That said, my hope is that when people are waiting online for the rainbow bagel or waiting online for the milkshake, they remember that there's a guy named Scott Rossillo who's down in the basement turning out hundreds of bagels that also makes a really awesome classic New York City bagel and a really good everything bagel. And that, you know, the guy, and, you know, I know Brittany worked really hard to work on the milkshakes black tap, but the chef, Joe is Dory, makes a killer burger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Get excited about the food. I think it's cool to support businesses. That's what we want to do. And, you know, I also think for a lot of businesses that don't have PR um, and don't have access to publicists, social media can be a lifeline for them. But don't forget the people that are behind those things that you're waiting online to take a picture for and take the time to appreciate everything else that they have to offer when you're there. Um, Because you want a business to be successful, but you also want them to have longevity and I think that there's a lot more to them sometimes than we see with just that one snapshot of the rainbow bagel. Yeah, that's sort of my take on it. But I'll i will I'll say I liked the Eater article a lot. I appreciated that um, because I was happy to hear Joe say that a lot of people are coming to Black Tap and still getting the burger. Well, they should. And, I mean, Black Tap won Burger Bash this year.
2: I mean, yes. they they've been recognized for their burger, which and the place is called black tap burger it's it's interesting i mean the milkshakes i they're visually both of these are extremely visually appealing crazy looking exciting products mm-hmm. i get that um they're they're so i don't know the milkshake just looks so indulgent like i feel i would have two bites and be I don't know if I can have any more of this I mean it's really like an extravagant dessert Um, I mean I wait in line for food sometimes but I don't I don't see myself going in either of these lines and it's like the cronut I mean same same thing uh it's food is hot and people are getting behind it and excited and I think good for them um I don't know if this is a short-term thing or not. Like, the cronut craze is still going on. Mm -hmm. That has not died how many years later. Um,
3: But, yeah. I don't know if I would wait online in New York City, because we, just because I'm so close to it, we get to try things a lot of times. But when I travel, like, when I went to Portland, I waited online at Salt and Straw for ice cream for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, I think, like, it's fun to get excited about that stuff and, you know, even though it's one... Dish or something, a lot of times it's a really cool sample of the culture of the place that you're going to. It's what everyone's talking about, like it or not, it's happening and it's fun to be part of that. Absolutely. And I was going to say, when I travel,
2: I seem, I think I wait in lines more. And when I was in Japan and Tokyo, mm-hmm. I waited over an hour and a half to go to a chicken ramen place that only had eight seats and it was worth it. Yeah. But it was, I mean, and there were lots of people waiting. I mean, these things. Mm-hmm. I think there's also something about the wait that that makes it more um, that makes you appreciate it more. I mean, also in this article, they were talking about uh, what Franklin's barbecue in in Texas, where the line apparently has its own Twitter handle. Yeah. Like it's become a thing to wait in line for this barbecue. So, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, well, I mean, congratulations to them and the, watching that video on the rainbow bangles was was cool to see how they make them. Mm-hmm. So, um glad I watched it. So, uh what else we got? So, in the New York Times today, restaurant review was on High Street on Hudson. Prime Time starts early in the West Village by Pete Wells and he gave it 2 stars. And I did a solo dining experience there, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm very happy for them. This is Chef Eli Culp and the owner Ellen Yin. And Eli was in this this uh, tragic accident last year, uh, but he's you know pushing forward with this project. And I think it's an amazing restaurant, casual bakery restaurant in the West Village. So mm-hmm. I'm happy for them.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited. And I saw that they were in Time Out New York today going around as well. So it seems like they're definitely, um, if not the, they're a restaurant of the moment that's worth checking out. Um, I haven't had any savory food there. I had a dessert, which was totally awesome. Not super sweet and really light and refreshing, which I appreciate. Um, And I saw all the uh, bread that they Mm -hmm. have out, which just looks amazing. Um, Yeah, I was there. I had... A healthy this
2: ancient grain salad. I kind of, I don't know, I was in the mood to be healthy versus indulge in one of their sandwiches. But um, Ellen sent me home with bread, so I've had their bread, and it's really awesome. And Pete was noted, no, no, noted I saw on his Twitter, when he tweeted about it, he said, too busy for breakfast city, could use more of this. So mm-hmm. basically New York doesn't have that many breakfast places that he... Th- thinks are, you know, are as, uh, amazing. So this a good addition to New York city.
3: They're out there.
2: Yeah. I was thinking maybe hidden gems, out but there. well, I am yeah, I'm excited for them. I think they have a nice corner location and it's Agreed. doing a lot and I haven't, they're doing dinner too. I haven't been there for that.
3: I just had lunch. Cool. Um, yeah, I haven't been for dinner. Lauren's been and she um, enjoyed it. She said it was super light and she liked it a lot. I like that. I think a trend we're definitely seeing is the um, appreciation or reappreciation of grains. Um, we're not scared of them anymore, so I think it's cool that they're highlighting them and that you know that's another place that's bringing them to the forefront.
2: Yeah. No. Well, you see, you see the trends. You get. You know. You know what's happening. So. We yeah. try. Yeah, you <laughs> do. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then real quickly, so on Zagat we had an article, The New Fast Food Nation, Why Chefs Aren't Just Cooking for the Rich anymore. This was by Leslie Bala talking about how chefs like Roy Choi and Daniel Patterson they just opened local in South LA and just the whole trend that's happening with with high end chefs are going more casual and trying to provide food for for everyone, that's affordable.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen a lot of a lot more fast casual stuff in the last year and a half. That's not a secret. Um, but my, I read that um, article, and my favorite part was that Roy Choice said um, that if you start with the focus of everything um, being really good ingredients and really good quality, then everything else will follow. And no, it's not easy to make. Really good, high quality ingredients, affordable. But I think if you find a way to do that, it's so important. And if you introduce people to really good quality food um, that they've never had before, then you know they'll look out for that wherever they go throughout life. So,
2: yeah, like, kudos I- to him. <laughs> I agree. Ditto. Okay, so that's industry news. We're going to take another break here, and I'm going to come back and do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Monero. Here's the rundown Location 1538 East Bay Street in Charleston, South Carolina. The concept, a casual Mexican eatery from Neighborhood Dining Group. The chef and owner, James Beard Award winning chef Sean Brock, who's known from McCrady's and Husk. Both terrific restaurants. Why did I go? Because I was in town for Charleston Widen Food Festival, and this is Sean's new spot that I hadn't been to yet. My experience. So I took a break from the festival action on Sunday afternoon and took a little touristy walk by Rainbow Row and to the waterfront. And I found myself hungry for a little bite, so I stopped in Monero's, took a seat at the spacious bar for some Mexicana fare. What did I get? I had the fried catfish taco with pickled green tomato tartar, cabbage and red onion in a house-made corn tortilla, and I had a club soda. My take? Super delicious, a perfect snack. The scene was locals, perfect for meeting friends, a casual date, or going solo. Interesting tidbit. Sean Brock told me at an event over the weekend that he created Monero simply because he wanted a good Mexican food spot in town to go that he enjoyed himself. And it's been a hit. There's now a second location in Atlanta, Georgia. Personal fun fact. Aside from the fabulous Festival Eats, other restaurant highlights I enjoyed over the weekend were oysters at Mike Latta's The Ordinary, char-grilled oysters at Leon's, okonomiyaki at Chow Chowbao Biscuit, and tuna tartar at McGrady's, which I just love that bar.
1: I had the okonomiyaki at Chow Chowbao Biscuit, too. It was so
2: good. So did
3: my friend Jess. Really, <laughs> this,
2: this, this place is is amazing. I was yeah. I was tipped off by by Nicole Obano. and oh, cool. yeah, go for the okonomiyaki. I, yes.
3: My parents were just in Charleston, too. last. They missed you by, like, two days, I think. And they went to Leon's. Um, and they really liked it because they brought their dog a water bowl. <laughs> I was like,
2: okay, what about the food, Mom? <laughs> the food was great. I only had the—it's a cool spot. And I just yeah. had, went to the, the char-grilled oysters because I just was eating all weekend. I couldn't, I couldn't do more. But, like, the, there was fried chicken. There was a lot of delicious stuff coming out of the window.
3: Oh, I'm super jealous. I have to go to Charleston. You do next free weekend. I'm there.
2: Great! It was. It's a great, great food town. So uh, yeah. Just to sum up, this was a very, very budget friendly meal. The cost was six dollars, not including tax and gratuity. Wow. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is monerorestaurant.com. So Sean Brock is now doing Mexican food. Cool. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the final question. It's time. Next week is my 100th episode, Hard to Believe, and I'm having on Danny Meyer, the CEO of Union Square
3: Hospitality Group. So, Catherine,
2: what would you like to ask Danny?
3: Well, I'm sure you guys are going to cover the tipping, and everyone wants to know about that. But I really want to know, when he was opening Union Square Cafe, like, 30, now probably 31 years ago, who was the person that left the biggest impression on him that still sticks with him today that he remembers, within, I guess, like, the industry and his world? um, You know, because as you start to look back at anniversaries and things, you just remember, like, those people that really stuck with you and left an impression. Um, And I'm curious. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm curious, too, because I was
2: thinking also just I feel everyone, especially well, myself included, like we all look for Danny as the role model and the person that inspires us. And I want to mm-hmm. find out for him, like who inspired him in his career. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Cool. And that's the show. All right. Well, Th- thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> it's been great. I'm so glad you came out here and um get you you know, on the mic, usually behind that camera. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem like a natural. I oh, don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I've been talking to Catherine Sheldon. She's the producer of WNBC's New York Live. Their website is NBCNewYork.com. On social media, you can find them, New York Live TV, Catherine, Michael, and Lauren
3: Scala four and Those are all their social media handles. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Um, Lauren Scala is Lauren Scala on Instagram and Lauren Scala four on Y on Twitter. Four N Y on Twitter. Good to know. Yeah. Well, follow them
2: and follow me. I'm at Sherry Bayer Bayer PR. All industry and Heritage underscore Radio. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My websites are Bayer Public Relations com and Sherry You can always find our show. Shows archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to Jack, who's my engineer today. And thanks again to Catherine and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday for my 100th episode with Danny Meyer. Tune in at 4 o'clock. Hope you'll join me then. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.